Princess Estefanie, a 22-year-old Ugandan transgender woman. Thank you so much for being with us today, Stephanie. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Um, uh, hi, everyone. I'm um, Kalunji Gabriela. I'm a transgender woman, Ugandan. I'm a pastor at Elena Inclusive Christian Ministries, a church in Uganda that is LGBTIQ friendly and I'm an activist as well. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. What does being a transgender woman and Christian mean to you? Um, it means a lot. It really means a lot because it is a step to take in life. It is well, in most cases when we realize who we are, who we really are, it sometimes makes us look down on ourselves and think that we are not welcome before the Lord. Mm -hmm. But for the fact that I am who I am, I'm a transgender woman and uh, it is that the Lord accepts me the way I am. So I take it so great. I, it means a lot to me. Powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. How does your faith empower you and give you agency and self-determination? Uh, one, I because I'm a believer, I live by faith um, in all that I do, even when the fear of uh, being out and proud uh, as a transgender woman living in a country like Uganda, it is, um, it is my faith and my, my strength in Christ that gives me audacity to get out there and face the world. And no matter what happens, no matter the persecution, no matter the words, the homophobia, but um, because I'm strong in faith, I am stronger even more out there. I can face all the obstacles as long as my faith is made strong. Wow, that's very powerful. Yes. What does being a part of an inclusive ministry such as Adonai mean to you mm. and to your community? Uh, one, to me, it means a lot. It means a lot because um, to, to some point, our our churches tend to discriminate us, tend to chase us away, which bridges a very big gap between me and my God. But if I have a ministry right here that accepts me the way I am, that is not going to judge me, that is not going to chase me out, I, I really take that so strong. And, I, and to my community, it has helped us a lot. Most of the people out there are getting back to God, are getting to understand more about God and the religious, their religious maturity is really growing and increasing at a very high rate because of this ministry. So I believe it is doing a great job. Powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. What do you think non-transgender Christians can learn from transgender Christians like yourself? Uh, one, um, I would start with saying that they will learn to, to accept who they are and not judge themselves. Mm -hmm. Because uh, when we, we choose to be, we, we, we tend to be who we are. Sometimes we are judged. Sometimes a lot is said about us. And we reach an extent we start looking down on ourselves. And we start thinking that God does not love us or something. 
but um, being a Christian and I'm a transgender, I, I believe um, it is a great step that I took in life that I would want every transgender person out there to have in mind that no, God does not judge you about what you are, does not take you the way you are or what you do. He loves you the way you are. He is a God that created you despite of being a transgender person. He, he loves you the way you are. So to the transgenders that are known to, that are known to Christians, I always talk to them. I, I really always talk to them in the outreaches that we make that in this life you need Christ. You need God in whatever that you do. The world can lie to you that you can sustain yourself, but it is God above all. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. How do you think non-transgender Ugandans and Africans in general can be in solidarity with transgender siblings within and outside the church? Um, in, in, in several, several ways, uh, solidarity can be shown and it is shown in Africa that basically in some times it is appreciating our own is key appreciating the people that we we are living with the people that we call our family because most of us we made a family out in in, in this life that we didn't we didn't have before so it is it is a great opportunity that we appreciate our own selves our people our own selves that is the only way we can do the solidarity if we really appreciate the people that we are and the mm -hmm. love that we, we deserve. Mm -hmm. Very powerful points. Yeah. What does transgender hope and joy mean to you? What gives you hope for a better world for transgender Ugandans and Africans? Well, what really gives me hope is uh, what I see that is coming tomorrow. In the way things were in the, in the past years is not the way things are happening in this very year. And because of the lights that we see shining before us and the, the rights that are put in, um, in consideration, we really see a better tomorrow. We really see a better tomorrow. That really gives me joy when I see a fellow transgender woman standing in front of a church preaching. It really gives me gives me, um, uh, it encourages me to work hard when I see a transgender person uh, sitting in someone's office, it really pushes me. It puts a smile on my face. So that is my joy, in considerations in transgender person. Indeed, thank you so much for sharing and speaking to us today. Yes. How can- You're welcome. How can people who are listening, who want to support your work and support the work of Adonai Inclusive Ministries, do that? Um, uh, you can they, they can they can reach out to our platforms, our social media platforms. You DM uh, in Facebook Adonai Inclusive Christian Ministries. There are contacts there that you can still contact, or you can even reach out in uh, on uh, our pastor's page, Ram Ram Gava and maybe my page as well you can reach out there and in all ways you can help out 
Awesome. I'll make sure to put your information in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Our next guest is Mix Ashwin Africanus Tyson, a junior lecturer at Stellenbosch University's Faculty of Theology, in the development of systematic theology and his theology, specializing in church polity and church history. He's also presently pursuing a doctorate degree at Stellenbosch University. Mix Tyson's research concerns the intersection of religion, race, and sexuality, with particular focus on the manner in which these social constructions allow people to exist in the world. Mix Tyson is also interested in the contours of discourse in the public square, considering both its limits and its promise. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Can you describe your vocation as a theologian and how your queerness informs your work? Yeah, thank you for that wonderful question. I think, uh, so perhaps I should sort of take a back step and talk about my introduction into theology. I, I started out um, a few years ago wanting just to be a pastor. Um, and so my, my route to academic theology was through the church requiring me to do a set of degrees in order to be considered for pastoral ministry. And um, I really thought I was going to be this unknown pastor of some unknown town, just serving the people that I that have been entrusted to my care. Quite soon though, I realized perhaps naively, and perhaps I naively ended up in theology, but I quite soon realized that my, my sexuality um, would pose a challenge to getting to the pastorate. So currently in my denomination, the United Reformed Church in Southern Africa, um, there aren't any openly LGBTI plus people who are ordained in ministry. And up until that point, there weren't any who were considered ministry candidates. So I would have been, I faced a few difficulties. And then because of that reality, I then decided to pull, to take a step away from the church and then pursue an academic theology degree, a master's degree that is much more focused on, on research. And that was right about that time that I realized, okay, um, my, my desire to be this unknown pastor in this unknown town would no longer be my reality. I have this academic thing going. I'm seemingly doing well. I'm enjoying it. And so I'm, let's see where this could lead. So in a sense, my, for, for, for those who are tuned to reform church history, um, my journey was similar to that of John Calvin. No desire to be important, just wanted to serve God in, in the privacy of his home. Um, and then all of a sudden this happened and then he was confronted with a desire, with the need to reform the city of Geneva. And I was then confronted with the need to realize that the churches in South Africa really do need to think about sexuality in much more progressive and healthy ways that would do justice to LGBTI people um, in the country, on the continent and throughout the globe. So how I then define my vocation is that, um, is, is basically how Cornell West usually defines justice. Justice is what love looks like in public, just like tenderness is what love looks like in private. So I see my vocation as doing the work of justice, loving people, loving creation, and trying to do so tenderly. Well, thank you, that's very profound. I hope 
helped you as a South African queer Christian remain in the institutional church and retain your faith given the institutional barriers that exist for LGBT Christians? I think that is largely due to the fact that, um, so, I mean, our experience of, of Christianity has not always been great. So in Southern Africa, at least, especially in South Africa, the introduction of Christianity was through violent force, through colonialism. And so when that is sort of the point of origin in a true sense, um, especially people who come from sort of the Cape, who are the indigenous people from the Cape, the Khoi and the San, the Bushmen people, when your experience of, of Christianity is rooted in colonial domination, um, it's very difficult to think about how one would, what, would want to remain Christian. And so drawing on that history, I've always found it very, and I, this is probably similar to the, to the African-Americans um, who have reclaimed their Christianity for their own liberation. Um, so uh, Khoi and San people at the Cape then reclaimed Christianity for themselves. Mm -hmm. Much as like they've reclaimed this, this Western culture that they've been forced to adopt for themselves. And fast forward, so into the apartheid period, and then there was the act of reclaiming by Black people in South Africa of Christianity for ourselves. I mean, figures such as Desmond Hilo Tutu, Alan Busa come to mind, yeah, how they went out of their way to claim for themselves a new Christianity, the liberatory faith that you find in Jesus Christ. So how I then ended up remaining Christian was, how I'm trying to remain Christian, is just because of that history. Um, and also, I think the major reason I'm Christian, the only reason actually is just there's something about Jesus Christ that I just cannot let go of. Um, yeah, there's just something about this, this mystery, mystery of faith that I just, that has just drawn me in that I, I can't let go of, even if I want to. Indeed. So you mentioned the tradition of um, people of African descent claiming Christianity and taking up space within Christianity. How do you think African LGBT Christians are continuing that tradition? How do you think the faith of African LGBT Christians is subversive and what can listeners learn from those perspectives? You know, I think, I think precisely because draws on that history of anti-apartheid activists and theologians and pastors sort of, because it says there we were resisting against these forces that try to be life denying. And for that reason, grounding itself in that tradition, I think LGBT Christians in, in South Africa and throughout the continent are saying, yeah, we are, and you have to recognize us. And if I may, if you may would afford me the sort of a, a philosophical tangent, um, one of the things I'm often reminded of is, is so I'm a continental philosopher in some sense, and Hegel's um, dialectic, but also this notion of the, the, the negation um, a negation of a negation is an affirmation by virtue of conservative Christians and, 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 and negating my existence is in a true sense an affirmation of the fact that I exist. You might want, they might be pathologizing people like me um, and, and rendering us nothing but sin and evil. But even in that, there is an affirmation that we truly do exist. So how I see LGBT Christians doing this work is by grounding themselves in this tradition that we've received saying that we were resistant at some stage against the forces that were life denying 
and we need to look at all those many complex forms in which this is allowed to continue. So that means in a true sense, and if we're going to do proper queer, or not proper, but good healthy queer theology, it means that we need to focus on issues of class and we need to focus on how gender plays a role even within the LGBTI plus community and how I as a gay man have much more privilege than a trans black woman or how um, class and language barriers, um, how all of those things play a role or things like just like ability. And so we need to think about all of these complex ways and how they govern how we are allowed to live our lives. So right now I'm seeing that more, more and more queer Christians are claiming themselves as fully queer and fully Christian um, in the continent and in South Africa. And we see it through the sparks of these, the start of these denominations that have a decidedly queer orientation. And for that, I'm quite hopeful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Those were really great points. Again, you talked about the increasing visibility and emergence of um, African LGBT Christians, whether in South Africa or across the continent. What's your advice for the next generation of African LGBT Christians who are growing up in non-affirming faith communities? Yeah, that's always, I'm, I'm often approached with this question and I quite honestly do not have a good one. Um, precisely because my denomination is not decidedly non-affirming. It has, for all intents and purposes, my denomination follows a don't ask and tell policy. So, 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 so in a sense, it's not homophobic, but it is, it, it does curb one in a certain way. My response would I ever be, my response would I ever be that we should find people and communities that affirm you. Uh, this is difficult to say because part of many of us are still we choose to remain in those in those communities of faith that, that shape and form us. However, find friends and chosen family that may be able to provide you with the support you need. Prioritize your mental health, um, and remain if if remain in the community if it is for your best. Um, I'm very hesitant to tell people to leave communities which shape and form and hold them when. They have needed it. Um, and also, in a true sense, my, my hope is that people would be afforded the gift of integrating their sexuality with the spirituality, finding those spiritual practices that inform and that that enriches your understanding of self. Mm -hmm, so important. So you mentioned don't ask, don't tell. For our listeners, can you cl clarify what that means in the context of the church and sexuality and the impact of um, don't ask, don't tell in faith communities on LGBT Christians. So I think this is more prevalent than, I mean, don't ask and tell is a, is a lovely catchword that draws on American legislation, but it, it, it helpfully captures the fact that for most, in most instances in my denomination and many others, mainline denominations, the implied policy is if you don't say that you are queer LGBTI plus, then there's no reason they would curb you. So I could I could have been at, at this stage a pastor if I had not stated that I was queer. And because I then made the decision to be very upfront about my sexuality, um, that had well, it had consequences for me. I was denied um, ministry candidacy. I am currently dependent on 
in the Reformed Church, you cannot apply to a congregation, so you have to wait until someone recognizes your potential. Uh, so I'm at the mercy of people uh, on whether they would like to recognize me as a pastor. So that if I had not said that I was queer, I would possibly have been a pastor today. So that is sort of the, that is what shapes the denominational life of my church, but also many other mainland churches. Mm-hmm. And why do you think it's important to you and other African LGBT Christians to be visible and to be upfront about sexuality and gender identity? So I do this for two reasons. The first reason is I am a South African. So um, we have civil rights, human rights that are recognized by the state that are not particularly present in the rest of the African continent. So that is also a decided, decidedly on my part that I also want to challenge other African states to to do better and do justice by LGBTI plus people. The second part is um, I, you know, I'm realizing this all the more now, I do have a level of influence in my own denomination, but also now in my teaching post at the University of Salambash, I carry a great deal of influence on other denominations. And because I am now lecturing staff, it's very difficult to dismiss me. Um, I am very much present in your face. So you, you, you cannot dismiss someone who prepares your church's ministers for the future. It's, it's very difficult to dismiss. So I'm upfront about it because I know that I am in a sense helping a faith community. I'm helping individuals make sense of who they are and make sense of their calling to serve society in the manner that they believe they are called. Mm-hmm. And many would argue visibility is a form of resistance. Yeah, of course, it's, it's laborious work. It's tiring, it, 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 but there's still so much joy to the experience on the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, I mean, many times, and, and I'm sure quite a few queer folk, like probably the majority of us would, would rec- gladly would recognize it comes with so much pain, with backlash. Um, and also just you're constantly having to prioritize your mental health and at certain stages you might just be on the brink of depression and suffering from tremendous anxiety. But even so, on the journey, there is so, just so much profound joy. And, and, and sorry, could I just say, this is one of my fears when we speak about, um, about queerness and especially when we're talking about racialized queerness. My fear is that whenever we speak about Black people who are queer. Primarily a side of trauma. Yeah, always, constantly. And, 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 and I was watching the Netflix movie recently, the, the interracial couple, the where the guy goes to the family, I think All the Way Single is the title. Um, and so many queer people have said, many Black queer people have said, what, what if, imagine now, a movie about queer people, Black queer people, where there's no trauma present where there's just two people falling in love and working out those kinks. Wouldn't that just be, wouldn't that just be great? Mm-hmm. It's really important. What does, what does queer black joy mean to you? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. For me, it means Quite honestly, quite literally, it means it's quite so two things. Right now in South Africa, there's um, queerphobic hatred. 
mm-hmm. homophobic hatred directed at, at queer people. And that quite literally means that once a month, we learn of another person who's been killed by straight people because they are queer. And then this has been going on since, I mean, it's always been present. It's been very disastrously present. Um, a few years ago, we targeting lesbian women, les- black lesbian women. Um, so for me, queer joy, quite like just now means walking in the street and not fearing for your life. Um, I mean, that's so basic. It, it, should be, it should be my reality, but it isn't. Um, but on a different note, it also means um, I, was, I was in a relationship a few years ago, um, one of my most wholesome relationships. And queer joy for me at that stage was, so my boyfriend was Sutra and I am what the government defines as colored. So I'm Afrikaans and, and I, I cannot speak Sutu or Kosa or Zulu or any of the other indigenous languages in South Africa. And queer joy was us having the intercultural experience of coming together as black people, black men, queer black men, embracing each other um, and not having, and not at, and just being our full selves, our queer full selves without the fear that we will not be considered men or we'd not be considered black or we'd not be considered, all of those things played, play so, so much a role in how people are allowed to live their, to lead their lives. That queer joy for me just means being in community with other people, in intimate space with other people without having to negotiate your full self. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So what would you say to people who say they want to be in solidarity with LGBT plus people, especially in the African context, but their readings of scriptures and their religious convictions just make it very difficult for them to be affirming of same gender relationships or seeing gender as a spectrum? Yeah, that's, that's, that's difficult to speak on the level of the, of the entire continent. Uh, the, one of the, the, the NGO in which I'm involved in is called Inclusive and Affirming Ministries and their primary work is to enter faith spaces, um, to do work on how we read scripture, how we read culture, how we understand faith and how sexuality and spirituality may be integrated. So um, the work that Inclusive and Affirming Ministries is doing is also partnering up with NGOs in other African states. So we're talking about mostly Southern Africa and, and, and West Africa, and just thinking through how do we provide space, primarily queer people to be themselves, but also how do we partner with, with shall we say, cisgender straight people who um, are making sense of wanting to be an ally and yet having this limitation of recognizing their faith does pose a, pose a problem. So I think the best way for me is just to read scripture alongside with others, not to read scripture on your own, to, not only to read scripture on your own, but to read alongside, for example, reading scripture alongside a trans person, reading scripture alongside a lesbian woman, that that really changes one's perspective. So to be in community with people that aren't necessarily, who don't necessarily look like you, speak like you, perform their gender like you, but who are different. And opening yourself up to difference and opening, and I think this is probably the greatest challenge for many straight people. It is because opening myself up to difference means that I have to think through my own identity. And that thinking through my own identity, the recognition that things aren't as clear cut as I would like them to be. That is a major challenge for quite a few people. And so 
reading scripture to get together in community, reaching out to people, being present when or, or being aware of the of how the human rights and human dignity, uh, dignity of of LGBTI plus people is being misrecognized. I think that that is the starting point for me. Very great points. I recognize the importance of being community um, with people that have very different lived experiences because it does transform how you read scripture and relate to your faith tradition for sure. Yeah. That's why I always encourage my friends to um, engage with the, the perspectives of marginalized people within their faith traditions. My next question for you is, what gives you hope for a better church and society for South African slash African LGBTQ plus people? I mean, if we talk about the church, what gives me hope is the fact that in the in that in the words of that, <laughs> that very English hymn, all our hope on God is founded. So what gives me hope in the church is the fact that that Jesus is the head of the church, that all of us derive our membership from this head. So in the church, at least that's what gives me hope. What is the what are the signs of hope that I'm observing? Or the seeds of hope that I'm observing, of course. That's a very different question. For me, it's the fact that young people are choosing to remain part of the church, even as they we experience this tremendous heartache and pain, we are still choosing to be present. Um, and I'm seeing signs of hope by the fact that more and more throughout the continent, in South Africa, women are entering the leadership of the church. I mean, this has been the reality for quite some time now, but it, it, it fills me with so profound joy in South Africa, at least, the Methodist Church in South Africa is, the presiding bishop is a, a woman, um, and in my own denomination, quite a few years ago, we had um, the, the, the Professor Mary Ann Blackson-Ofel, who served as the moderator of, of, of the denomination. And then from there, she served on the um, tremendous progress. And, and recently, the Anglican Church in Southern Africa, have they, they've just, um, um, and they've now elected a new bishop who, who is also a woman. So there's tremendous and profound progress that these are the signs of hope. Young people, women, and the fact that LGBTI plus, LGBTI plus people are saying, here we are, and we are choosing to remain faithful to the call that we feel like God has placed in our lives. So those are the seeds of hope. But primarily, it is just the mere fact that, that Jesus is the head. Wow, thank you so much. That's, that gives me a lot of hope as well. Thank you for taking time to speak to us. Um, where can listeners um, follow along with your work and reach out to you? I, I, you know, I, I dread this moment so much. I, <laughs> I hate, I hate, I'm a, I'm a good, I'm a good reform person. So I'm supposed to be humble most of the time, <laughs> but you may follow me on, on, on um, Twitter, Ashwin Thai, at Ashwin Thyson, A-S-H-W-I-N-T-Y-T-H-Y-S-E-N. And I have the same handle on Instagram. My Instagram though is private, so just pop me a message and I gladly accept all who have liberation as the end goal. Great, thank you very much. Thank you for holding space in such a tender way.